we're really beholding the goodness of God this morning, aren't we? And, and a lot of what we're saying and doing this morning, and I feel that the, 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 you know, the pattern is just, again, beholding just how good our God is and how he's with us. Amen. And not only that, but he's for us. That's the good part. He's not against us. Aren't you glad that he's not against you, you know, but that he's for you? Praise the Lord. Well, we, we've had a, a wonderful uh, a week. Not only did we fly back on uh, Monday, but we flew back with our dear daughter, Julia, who is now uh, over there in New South Wales, living away from us. And of course, she's with her, uh, her bestie, uh, Fabian. So make sure you uh, come and say hello to Fabian and Julia at some, some point this morning. And, um, and make them feel welcome. And again, uh, welcome to any visitors that are with us and just uh, joining us today. We're so glad you decided to come. But how good is it that, you know, that we've been founded on the truths that ensure that our relationship with God is not just on the basis of biblical knowledge, but on a tangible spiritual experience with God's Spirit. We talk about it, that we can just come boldly into his presence, that we can, we can live with a revelation and understanding of what it is to know God's presence in our lives. And, uh, and that because of what Jesus did on the cross, that because he, he shed his blood for us and washed us clean. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, knowing that, understanding that, and of course, appreciating that truth. You know, our union with God's spirit, get this, is a tangible experience. And you know this, you know, that we grow to be more discerning of God's ways. The more we get around God, but the more we start understanding some of his ways. And, you know, Jess, uh, Pastor Jess there was <clears throat> sharing how, you know, that moment when you wake up in the morning and the Lord's speaking to you. Who knows that? Who knows that experience? There's a few hands going up. You know, the Lord's just dealing with your heart. You're waking up and he even drops a scripture in there that you, you know you've got to go and have a look at and see what that means and, and uh, what he's trying to say to you or what he is saying to you. And that's so very important because, you know, if you're not there, keep growing. Keep heading toward that because that's the lifestyle we're called to in this New Testament age. Uh, Matthew 16 speaks of those that are hardened in their hearts because they don't hear and see the things of God are just not alive to them. We've got to watch out for that hardness that can creep in in the Christian life. We get so naturally minded that we're, not, we're no longer spiritually minded. We've got to watch out and press in for that spiritual mindedness. And uh, that's where God's blessings lay as we continue to follow his directions and guidance and, and uh, what he has for our pathways. He says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. We're to have seeing ears and eyes. Amen. And uh, seeing, uh, uh, hearing ears and seeing eyes. Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2 and verse 14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of, uh, of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. In other words, it doesn't make sense. It's not natural uh, knowledge is not natural understanding and so it doesn't make sense for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned it's that exercise of our spiritual discernment where we sense things spiritually and know some things after God's spirit and uh, where to grow in that that's not something that we should be babies in 
That's something that we should become mature in, is being able to discern and recognise. Now, how sad would it be in this New Testament age that God's speaking to you and you don't even hear it? You know, how sad is that? God wants to say something to you and you can't hear it because your heart's hardened. You can't sense that spiritually. We want to avoid that. I tell you, you want to avoid that because I tell you, the, the, the fruit of my life, I can say, uh, uh, really started to blossom when I started hearing from God. And I knew that I was. And I knew that you could. And I started to walk in that way. That was exciting. That was a change. And the Lord showed me one time in a vision how it was like walking through this doorway with great light, you know, that I would start walking in the light of his word in my life. Not just from the written word, but from the... Spirit of God, downloading to me and showing me things and giving me uh, a truth that I could walk in. We are that much better equipped to reach the lost and the unsaved when we know how the Lord brings salvation to those that are lost in darkness. And God will help you with that as well. He'll show you, reveal, even give you a name. Amen. You know, to sort of speak to someone. And uh, we're just talking about that this morning. In John chapter 3, when Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, he was saying, you need to let the Spirit of God make you new. He didn't actually say it that way, but that's really what he was saying. You need to let the Spirit of God make you new. I know when that happened in my life. I know when the Lord uh, got a hold of me and got my attention at the age of 21 and did something on the inside of me that made me new. And I testify about that. I'll keep testifying about that because that's my testimony of how he worked with me. He was saying, you know, to Nicodemus, you need to let the Spirit of God make you new when he said you must be born again. You know, in our last Sunday message, which was not last Sunday again, Pastor Jess took the pulpit last week and uh, we were away. But in my last Sunday message, the week before the last, we looked at how God's design for new life in his kingdom is that we start in the Spirit. We looked at that verse in scripture with uh, a transformation that he works in us. He starts us off in the spirit. And uh, I talk about how I knew something was going on because I could feel something going on on the inside of me. I felt really clean, you know, that God had dealt with me. I wish we could kind of download truth to new believers. I'd like to be able to download truth to new believers so that they could understand some Bible truths more quickly. Um, but... You know, it would be so easy if, if some of our discipleship tools we had uh, were some of those devices that you find in the movie The Matrix. You know, that, that plug thing that they plug into there and they just download, you know, download a program, you know, what you need. Like, you know, you need to fly a helicopter, so just download that program and all of a sudden you can fly a helicopter and, you know, be like Neo, you know. I know Kung Fu, you know. <laughs> and um, it would be more like I know the New Testament. I download the New Testament to everyone. You got saved? Come down the front here. We'll just download the New Testament into your heart right now, just so you're full of the Word. I'd love to do that. But, you know, there's not that available, so what we have to do is just read the Word every day. You know, I think um, we are talking in the morning, you know, this morning how, you know, we just uh, are reading Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, just getting to know the image of Jesus, you know, the image of God that's revealed in Jesus. Just read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Just keep reading it until you get that image of who God is through Jesus Christ. 
But, you know, we are to begin to read our Bibles. You know, it's that witness in our hearts, our spirits, that begins to edify and build us up when God reveals verses to us and, and shows us things from his word. He gives us light from the word. So very important. His spirit leading us and guiding us into God's truth. So very important. But it's something that's tangible. Something that is tangible. Something that can be felt and known and understood. So the truth is, no, we don't start with a full biblical revelation. We start with the Lord renewing our spirit by and through the Holy Spirit. How many of you sensed a difference? How many of you sensed a difference once you gave your life over to Jesus? How many of you would say, you know, look, look, hands going up everywhere. You sense that difference. And that's, we would say in Australia, Moorish. You, you know, you had that taste and you want more. You know, it's like tasting something that you like and you want more of that, you know. Pastor Jess, I know, um, sense, you sense, you know, I, I know I sensed a, a, a cleanliness on the inside of me that I'd never experienced before, and it was tangible. I could feel it. I knew it. Pastor Jess. Yeah, I just got joy, just like waves of joy. It was actually because I grew up in a Christian home, and I remember my official decision to follow Jesus was when I was about 12 years old and, and it was through a baptism and I thought, this is it, God, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to get baptised and, and I'm in, you know. And I remember getting baptised in Geograph Bay down in Bustleton and there was a heap of people getting baptised and, and I just remember coming up out of the water and it was just like waves of joy. You can't manufacture that as a kid. You know, and it wasn't joy from a good circumstance or oh, mum said we could get ice cream. It was just this joy from within. And I was like, never had that before. And it, it is Moorish. <laughs> Amen. So mine was cleanliness. I just felt clean on the inside. Pastor Jess was a joy. What about you, Pastor Rosemary? What did you feel? What was the first thing that you tangibly felt when you got saved? Peace. And not condemned by God, but rather loved by God. I had a revelation, um, yeah, that he wasn't a God of judgment, but he was a father, a loving Heavenly Father. And that began just a wonderful relationship. Yeah. Amen. So I know if we, we went for the rest of the day, we could find out each and every single person has a tangible experience of how they felt after they came to Jesus. Amen? You know, we hear from the pastors this morning, but, you know, we could go through all day long hearing testimonies of how people were touched and, and tangibly felt that God had done a work in there. I know my father, uh, uh, testimony of my father when he got saved, I couldn't wait to ask him, you know? So we got home from church, sitting there having a cup of coffee over at his house, and I'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to ask. He's a very quiet man, my father. And then eventually I asked him, I said, so do you feel any different? Because he, he'd given his heart to Jesus. He'd said the prayer of salvation that morning. And he goes, mm. you know, he was very noncommittal. He said, but I feel incredibly peaceful. Incredibly peaceful was his word, and I love that. Paul says to Galatians, and get this, and the, the point I'm trying to make here, Paul says to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3, are you so foolish Having begun in the spirit, God does a work in your spirit, okay? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? In other words, fleshly activities tacked on to what God's already done and started in your spirit. 
Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And the answer is no. Look at uh, the amplified version. It says, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Are you so foolish and senseless? Having begun your new life by faith with the spirit, are you now being perfected and reaching spiritual maturity by the flesh? That is by your own works and efforts to keep the law. You know, we see here from Galatians that our new life as Christians starts in a work of the Holy Spirit in our spirit. It's not based on our attempts at self-improvement. So often when talking with the unsaved and the lost, they bring out their good record. I remember one time a gentleman, distinguished gentleman, I managed to strike up a conversation with him and he was asking about, you know, what I did in ministry. And his first, almost his first comment was, well, I've been good. You know, and it was like he was bringing it over to him. Well, I've been good all my life. And uh, how many of you know it's not about being good all your life? You know, that the gift of righteousness comes uh, to us all from God. And it's exactly that. It's a gift. It's not something you work for. You know, I don't think I've ever worked for a gift. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. a gift of, a gift, the gift of righteousness is something that we don't work for. God gives it freely. Amen. You know, this old, old gentleman I was talking to wanted to speak of his good works, like they're relevant somehow to his salvation. And there is that thought out there, there is that religion out there that keeps us out from what good things the Lord has for us. Paul writes to Titus and establishes the truth that each one of us needs to be convinced of. And I, I just bring it up as well. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 to 7, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, it says, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us, not sparingly, notice what it says, abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And I like the fact that it talks about heirs, it's talking about family, it's talking about being sons and daughters uh, with a God who loves us dearly, you know, wants to be our Abba Father. What do we, you know, and the question we need to ask ourselves is when do we get justified? Of course, when he regenerates and renews our spirit. If someone asks you, when, when am I justified? When do I get justified? When he regenerates and renews our spirit. Whenever that happened for you. For me, it was when I was 21. You know, he did a work in my spirit by the Holy Spirit. And the first work of the Holy Spirit in our spirit is a regeneration of our spirit. I'm going to talk about that a little bit this morning in the time that we've got remaining. It's the trans... Uh, that's, don't worry, um, I've got about 10 scriptures already. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. No, we, we've, we've got, worked through some things today. Amen. Um, but that's what the scripture means when it says we're created in God's image. God is a spirit. We've got to get that bit right. God is a spirit. All right. And with the woman at the well, remember that Jesus explained in John 4 uh, down there in verse 24, God is a spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth, he's talking, for, talking about that heartfelt worship. You can't generate that from your, from your um, intellect, from your soulish realm. It has to be from the heart, you know. 
that true worship that God's looking for. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. So there's one verse that really makes it clear. We know the statement, I am a spirit, I live in a body, and I have a soul. We know that statement. Oh, didn't it go? Okay. There we go. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Amen. And we, you know that, st- that statement that says, I am a spirit, I live in a body, and I have a soul. That talks about the trichotomy of man. Okay, now, this is something to really hang on to, and I'm just going to go a little bit deeper here with this. In our mother's womb... Our life nature is that of a spirit, all right? Made in God's image, eternal, but not divine. What does it take to be eternal? To be a spirit. Oh, Rosemary, back to Bible college with you. (laughs) What it takes to be eternal is to be a spirit. And God created us in his own image, and he is a spirit, amen. So now we're starting to see what does it mean when it says God created man in his own image? He created us all as spirits. And our life nature in our mother's womb is as a spirit. We're eternal. We have a, we have a start point. And uh, we, we, we have no ending as a spirit. Being divine is you have no beginning and you have no end. And that's God. Amen? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. No beginning, no end. Eternal, we have a beginning, but we have no end. And when we talk about spending eternity without God, that's called hell. And that's what is the redemptive plan of mankind that's actually being played out now. And in this time and season, 2,000 more years since Jesus died on the cross, is the redemptive plan of God for mankind playing out from when he instituted it in the Garden of Eden to restore mankind who had lost his salvation at that point. Amen? And we see how God's work was to bring us back into a place by his shed blood and uh, upon that cross pay the ultimate and the perfect sacrifice for us. He was the lamb that was slain. You know, the lamb that was, as John the Baptist witnessed, the lamb that would take away the sin of the world. Amen? Aren't you glad this morning? I'm glad. I'm glad uh, that we can just take a little time to go a little bit deeper uh, in, 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 in his word and just recognise what the, what the word says. So understanding our created nature, we see that because of original sin, God washes and renews our spirit. And get this, we will never stand before Jesus at his judgment seat and be found worthy of the kingdom uh, of God based on the works of the flesh to attain worthiness, sanctification, or righteousness. Because God's way into the kingdom is on the basis of his washing and his renewing. And in our spirit, which is what we call the new birth. Jesus said, you must be born again. And we've come to understand that as, call it the new birth, being born again, uh, receiving salvation, being saved. We call it a lot of things, but that's the gospel story. Question. How do we get born again? We would say by 
rhetorical question there, we would say by believing on Jesus. Most people, even this morning, would all say, we get born again by believing on Jesus. Is that correct? Amen? Romans 10, and we can look at it. Romans 10, verse 8 to 10. I'll read it out to you, because we're not there. Romans 10 and verse 8 to 10, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Believing in the heart, confessing with the mouth. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. That's how we receive the gift of righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Great truth. Need to get a hold of it. It's fairly universally uh, accepted that to believe with the heart means to believe in your spirit. You know, the point of faith, that moment of believing is the crucial moment where the washing and the regeneration of our spirit takes place. What we need to recognise is that through the simple act of believing in our heart and confessing with our mouths is the point at which we get born again. Faith in our hearts is the internal, you know, the internal ingredient to bring God's washing and regeneration to our spirits. And let me ask this question, how does faith come? By hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So, you know, that, that then means for the church, our job is to speak the Word of God, share the Word of God wherever we can, because what happens is faith comes. Faith comes to hearts as we do, as we be about the business of sharing God's Word. In the book of Acts, we have the early church having their first council to discuss what is accepted doctrine. First council, Acts chapter 15. A few things have happened. There's a few things getting on, going on and they need to all come together to uh, uh, understand and, and I guess universally and, and in unity agree on what is uh, the truth of God's word concerning this topic. And it was about whether or not, get this, the Gentile Christian converts should be circumcised according to the law of Moses. I'm pretty sure... I would have been saying, no, I don't think I need to be. I don't know anyone else. I'm saying, no, could we not do that? You know, I would have been in favour of not doing that myself. Acts chapter 15 and verse 6, and we see how they deliberated about it. Sorry, did I flip past her again? There we go. Too many times. Acts chapter 15 and verse 6, and it says, Now the apostles and elders came, to cons uh, came together to consider this matter. And when they had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago uh, God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of God and believe. So God, who knows the hearts, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. That was their tangible experience. They knew, based on the fact that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that they were saved and made no distinction between us and them. What by doing? By purifying their hearts by faith. Underline that in your Bible. If you've got your Bible, underline that. Purifying their hearts by faith. Not by good works. Get that. Not by good works, but by 
He purified their hearts by faith. That inner work, that work, that, that point in which faith came, purified their hearts. You know. Now, therefore, in verse ten, it says, "Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear?" Verse eleven. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Hallelujah. This was very big at the time. It was a big. It was a, quite a controversy at the time because the the um, the uh, uh, the Jews, the the Jewish religion, were trying to keep their religion alive and all the things that they had to do over in the Old Testament. They were trying to Im- implement it over in the New Testament, and the apostles got together and said, "No, that's not how it works. It's it's by grace through faith." They understood that, and they were making sure that the early church made that you know, the, the, um, the standard by which they would operate by. You know, our website, uh, we have a page titled We Believe. Most web pages for churches do. tells you what the statement of faith is. And it says this on ours, just so that no one's thinking I'm coming up with a new doctrine now, because I'm not. It says there that we believe that a man was created in the image of God, but sinned and is therefore lost. Only through regeneration by the Holy Spirit can salvation and spiritual life be obtained. Then it goes on, it says, The shed blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection provide the only grounds for justification and salvation. Gives two two verses there, Romans uh, 3, verse 21 to 30, and also Galatians 4, uh, verse 4 to 7. We start out, our life is in, in Christ, in the kingdom of God, through the Spirit. We start in the Spirit. We don't finish in the flesh. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And I always like to put daughters in there as well because it's talking about sons and daughters, hallelujah. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. They know that yearning for the presence of God, that yearning for more. It's that, that love of God, that more of him. And the word Abba speaks of daddy, daddy, father. You know, that, 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 uh, that um, heart of uh, affection and love for your, for your father. It says, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, they're an, an heir of God through Christ. Praise the Lord. Our best approach to God is not as that a people that are barely qualified for his kingdom. Not as slaves to the law either, but our best approach to God is as sons and daughters, you know, who have recognized how God how, how, how good God is, calling him Daddy Lord, you know, calling him Abba Father. Let's not get it wrong, church. We've been redeemed from being under the law. And that's not so that we can use, you know, our, our liberty as an occasion for the flesh, to live just as we please or just as we will or because it doesn't matter, I'm already forgiven. Now, we should live up to our righteousness, that free gift, we should live according to, you know, God's goodness and kindness in our life and, and demonstrate. And the beauty of it is, is it gets better and better the more we break off that bondage of, uh, of being under the law. 
Let's not get it wrong. We've been redeemed from being under the law. Our justification is now by being in Christ. It's by being born of the Spirit, not by law-keeping. And I like Romans 8. I'm going to finish on this today. This really is the last scripture today, Rach. So just in case you're wondering. <laughs> We're having a bit of a joke about last scriptures um, earlier in the week. <laughs> Romans chapter uh, 8 and verse 3 to 4, it says this. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did. What was the flesh? It was weak. What, could not, what God could not do, what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I don't know about anyone else, but that is such good news. That is such good news for us all to receive today. You know, and every week, every Sunday, just so you know, just so that you can be able and thinking about it through the week, we make an invitation uh, for people to come to the altar. Maybe someone that you've spoken to, maybe someone that you, you know doesn't know the Lord Jesus in a personal way. Every week we make an invitation to get that right. We'll pray a prayer with them, which we call the prayer of salvation. But it's that prayer that comes out of Romans chapter 10. If you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. How important is that? How important is it that, that not only we understand how we got saved, but that we take that truth and start looking around in our circle of of contacts, friendships, etc., and try and find those people that are yet to receive Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, yet to recognise that he died on the cross for their sin, yet to understand that and, uh, and come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. I, I just encourage every person that's here this morning, we're about that business. You know, look, churches can be many things and many reasons. They can be social they can be concerned for the community. They can be, I want you to know, I want you to be assured, this church is primarily concerned about salvations. Primarily concerned about bringing people into a, a, a relationship with God that's real, that's tangible, that's, that's happened because of what, what God does in their spirit and that they know it because a change occurs. And uh, I want you to know that. I want you to know that, that we are dedicated to that. We're here for the purposes of the kingdom of God, primary. We'll do other things. We'll do other areas of ministry, no question. We'll do those things. But don't ever forget that we're here for that primarily. And we'll put all of our priority on that. Amen. At the, uh, you know, at the, um, at the uh, cost of other things sometimes. Because we want that. We need that. That's what changed my life. Uh, I tell <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't interested in their social uh, uh, clubs and get-togethers that they, that they had going at the church that I got saved in. But I tell you what, I, I grabbed that, that, that salvation with both hands because I knew that it was different. I knew it was something that God was doing and I wanted to be a part of that. Amen.